0: Come on, let's stand back up now. I want you to welcome Daniel Nevejas. He's going to come minister to us this morning. His ministry is... I guess ministry title be Oklahoma Ecclesia or... He, he wears many hats. But let's just, let's just bless him and pray for him Amen. this morning. Lord, I thank you for Daniel. Thank you for his family. Lord, ministry is family this morning and Lord we call forth what you have for us here this morning what you want to say and Lord we want to hear you but Lord I bless Daniel I bless the ministry Lord I I bless the other people that he's getting to have input into their lives whether it's in a spiritual arena or political arena, it's all spiritual as far as we're concerned. And we just decree your lordship over him and over this time now. Ministering angels, just come. Have your way. Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. We love you and bless you, Daniel.
1: Thank you. Oh, yeah, that be fine. Sure. How's everyone doing today? Good. So I want to just start out with the scripture for a couple reasons. I want to set a foundation of where we're at, but I think it'll also uh, be a confirmation gates <laughs> uh, of what God is already talking about and revealing revealing to us. And so I'm going to start out in Matthew chapter 16. And uh, I want to preface it with this. I am a I am a recovering preacher, and so I got a million things to tell you, so I think we'll be done about 7 p.m. today, and we'll take a little break, and then we'll come back and finish some more. No, here's the deal. Seriously, I've been in ministry since I was 14 years old, and uh, 21 different nations around the world, Um, God's allowed me to do a lot, but in that, it's just been in the last decade that I've found out my identity. And so what I mean by that is I'm not T.D. Jakes. There used to be a day that, well, I could hoop and holler, and I, I could be T.D. Jakes, I could be Kenneth Copeland, I could be Jerry Savile, I could be whoever you wanted me to be. And it did really well, and I could move people, but it wasn't effective, it wasn't my armor. And so I, I want to share this, and a lot of what I'm going to share today is a testimony of what God is doing. I'm not very entertaining, but I know, like the song that we just sang, which I just got so jacked up about, the Holy Spirit, when He's with us, He does things that I don't even have to try to do. So as I share with you what I'm doing, one of the key points I want you to get and take away from this is I'm nobody. People would say, well, Apostle Daniel, Apostle of the state of Oklahoma, national influence, all those things. Daniel Navejas. That's who I am. Son of God, redeemed, human being, just like you, nothing special. But I'm willing and because I'm willing and say, yes, Lord, the Holy Spirit puts his anointing on what we're doing. And it's not even hard when and when the Holy Spirit showed up, my heart, literally, I get into these meetings and I'll share. Yesterday, I was in Dallas with General Flynn and some other people and my heart's going, oh, my gosh, what are you doing? What do I do? What this? Do do? Just be still. And I was just still. And the Lord just went tick, tick. I said, oh, you made that very easy. And so let's just start out here. Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to start in verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am? So they said, Some say you're John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others Jeremiah, other one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, "Blessed are you, Simon Bar Jonah, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to the, you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, Hades, hell, will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. I'll give you the kings, the keys of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth." will be loosed in heaven. I want to start there with this idea, talking about gates, talking about Caesarea Philippi. Jesus goes into this place. He asks the people, who who do you say they am? And they give their opinion on it. And can I come down? I feel like I'm way high. I just like come down. And... Funny thing about me is I hate microphones. Believe it or not, you ever met a preacher that hates a microphone? I hate it, but I'm going to do it anyways because that's what the Lord called me to do. So every Sunday they're like, Daniel, use the mic. We can't hear you. I'm like, oh, sit closer. Well, okay, I'm going to use the mic anyways. So he's in this region. Who do the people say that they I am? They, he Peter gets this revelation from heaven. He says, You're right. You've heard from God, and he says, Right here on this rock, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. couple of things to keep in mind. Geographically, they were in a place called Cesarea Philippi. In Caesarea Philippi, there is a mountain. There's a rock there. And under that mountain, there is a cave. Does anyone know what the name of the cave is? The gates of Hades. The gates of hell. You can go to this place geographically. You can look on the inside, and they would sacrifice children here. They would worship other gods. All of it was a geographical location. It's not an accident. We read it, we don't get it. It's kind of like if I start going jingle bells, you understand that because you understand the culture. You're familiar with it. Sometimes we read things and it just goes over our head because we don't understand the culture of it. So when he's here and he's saying on this rock. I will build my church. Now, notice he didn't say, I'll build my synagogue. Amen. There's a difference. Synagogue, in the word that he used, there is ecclesia. How many of you know ecclesia? Okay, so ek called out of. Uh, kaleo, this is a surname, a name that's given. So, literally, this is the ecclesia. But how many of you know that ecclesia doesn't mean a building with four walls? It's a people. It's a people that are called out by name or giving a name that they bear. And how many of you know that ecclesia is not a Christian word? Church is not a Christian word. Our understanding of this is not Christian, it's actually political. Okay, the word ecclesia predates 900 years previous to the birth of Jesus Christ. In other words, before Jesus was ever born, they were using this word, ecclesia, ecclesia, ecclesia. Who was using it? The Roman government. It represented the judicial and legislative branch of the Roman government. Now, what does that have to do with Jesus? Every Orthodox Jew is waiting for a Messiah King. Matter of fact, the question they always ask is, now you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Are you going to restore the kingdom back to Israel? Is this where you come back? and You get a throne. We get all Every Jew is waiting for a Messiah King. Here's the crazy thing is most of the church is still waiting for a Messiah King. Because they think when he comes back, he'll be a king. But he was born a king. He received a king's welcome whenever the three wise men came, whenever they came with all of their entourage and brought in, some scholars say close to $300 million worth of gifts. If you go back historically and look, it wasn't uncommon for the Magoi to come into a region and bring gifts to the newborn kings. And this wasn't just a one-time happening. You can go back in history, and it's amazing. In one particular place in history, there's this king. He has a son. And all of these nations come from around the world, and, uh, and it gives the list. A, a, a golden uh, rocking horse. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Yeah, a horse is a little rock. Go back and forth. Uh, salts, herbs, spices, um, furs, all of these things. And, and all of this, I mean, shiploads of, of gifts for this newborn baby. And the king says, is my son such a refuse of the earth that you brought him so little? And all of these magistrates go back to their countries and they bring back twice as much as they did before because you had to realize that, new, that little prince was one day going to be the king. And so you're already making alliances here. So Jesus was born a king. He got a king's welcome. Matter of fact, when he died, it was written on his cross King of the Jews in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek, in case you didn't get it. In every language, he's the king of the Jews. So every king comes, he sets up a kingdom, right? And he didn't say, On this rock, I'll build my synagogue so you can come and study the word of God and worship. He said, I'll build my church, my ecclesia, my government on the earth, my legislative, judicial branch of government on the earth. That's us, his people, who have been called by his name to bear his name in Christ, in his name. You don't ask in my name, you ask. You don't ask any you ask in my name. Following me so far? So what we do, I'm I'm laying this foundation because what we're doing through Ecclesia of Oklahoma is giving its church, the giving the church back its rightful place to lead in culture where Jesus is king over everything. But here's the deal where does Jesus build his church? Interesting, he was in Caesarea Philippi, not in Jerusalem. Seems to me, if you're Jesus and you're going to build a church somewhere, you build it in the holy city. He says, "I will build my church at the gates of hell, at the portals of hell." Where's the portal of hell in our cities? Abortion clinics. This church right here, this bride right here, because see, the church is a people, not a place. I have been built up more. See, what happens here is I'm going to preach to you guys. Y'all going to nod your head. You're going to say, praise the Lord, amen, hallelujah. But whenever I go to the abortion clinics and I preach, people cuss at me. I've had some women demonically possessed pull their shirts open to try to distract me or begin doing sexual motions and being just vilely demonic and evil, spitting at me, cussing me out, all these things. Guess what? This church got built at the gates of hell. Because the first time that happened, it made me really angry. The second time that happened, it made me very sad. Not because I was being hurt, my feelings were hurt, but because I had compassion on this person who was being used by a demonic spirit. And then as soon as the enemy was done with her, just let her go. But there are many gates of hell in our cities. We t- I mean, you know, the seven mountains of culture family, education, arts, entertainment, business, so forth, all those different places, each one of those are a portal, each one of those are a gate, and I believe Jesus is saying right there at that gate, I will build my church, I will establish my church, I'll build it in the gates of hell, the power of death does not prevail against it, but the problem is for the most part, the church has not been at the gates of hell, we've been in the holy place, believing that revival would come out of Jerusalem you track? I'm kind of being parabolic right there. But if we're going to see revival take place, I'm guessing, let me look around, get my discerners on, I think every person in this room is born again. Probably most. So I don't need to preach to you to get born again. Probably a good majority of people in this room are filled with the Holy Spirit. You've known the word, you've studied the word. You could probably come up here and preach better than I can but where the church is built, where the kingdom of God is advanced, is at the gates of hell. And those are some of the places that I want to talk to you about. I want to talk, in 2018, previous to that, God had given me a word about getting outside of the four walls of the church. Sound familiar? The problem with that is for almost 10 years, it was just good preaching. And I was a really good preacher then. I can't, you know what I'm saying? I could move people. We're going to go out there. We're going to take this city. We're going to see revival. Da, da, da. And then guess what? We'd come back and we'd preach about it again next week. And we'd come back about it and we preach again next week. And God's going to move and God's going to do this. And we're going to take this city. Well, what are we going to do when we get the city, first of all? And what does revival look like? Because I began praying and seeking God. It's like, because here's something. Kyle couldn't be with me. Kyle's my brother-in-law. We were best friends. And then we married twin sisters And so we became brothers, and we've been doing ministry for 14 years together. And so usually he's with me everywhere, but he's holding down the the gathering in in Guthrie today. But whenever we first started doing ministry together, we would keep a duffel bag in the trunk of our car because we read about the moves of God that happened throughout history, and we believed that in our lifetime we were going to see a move of God. And we wanted to be a part of it. We didn't care if that meant setting up, tearing down, cleaning up, didn't mean that we we're going to be on a platform, but we just want to be a part of that and we want to be ready. So we kept a duffel bag because we believe that we'd see a move of God. So I began praying, I began seeking the Lord and saying, what does a move of God look like in my generation? And I really believe this, this is my opinion, not the word of God, not an absolute, but it's my opinion. I don't think it looks like we have service on Monday night, service on Tuesday night, service on Wednesday night. I don't think that it lo- it doesn't not that that was bad. Not that that was a bad season that that happened because there was a time that God did that. But I believe that the next move of God is not even based on a one-man show. See, in the old days, it's like, we wait till Billy Graham comes into town. We wait till Benny Hinn comes into town. We wait till fill in a blank of a name. And then God's going to send a move into the city and everything. Well, guess what? Billy Graham came and gone. A lot of people got saved. But the city didn't get transformed other leaders came in they had a gift and there's nothing wrong with that gift but the fact of the matter is ephesians says that pastors teachers evangelists prophets apostles equip saints any saints in here that's everyone in here for the work of the ministry so here's the reality can you lay hands on the sick can you save the lost can you baptize people can you cast out devils if so God wants to establish his church at the gates of hell. So for 10 years, I was preaching. It was really good. In 2018, I get an invitation by Dan Fisher. Anyone remember that name? Ran for office. Uh, one of his liaisons called and said, Daniel, will you come and help? Uh, Dan Fisher, he's a pastor. He's running for office. He needs your help. This is what I said. This great man of God with this revelation. We're going to get out of the four walls of the church. I said, I don't do government and politics. I'll pray for you if I hear anybody that just has got an itch or a scratch, you know, for to do that, I'll send them your way. I don't do that. Megan calls Dan and says, Daniel said he's not interested. He doesn't do government politics. He said, call him back and tell him I'm not looking for someone political. I'm looking for a pastor, a man of God that has a heart for his city and a heart for the state to be transformed for the glory of God. Call him and tell him that. See what he says. So Megan called back and I said, well, I understood that language. And I said, okay, sure, yeah, I'll do it. What do you want me to do? And he never told me what to do. My yes wasn't to Dan Fisher. My yes wasn't to a campaign. It was to God. And from that point, Holy Spirit took a hold of it and It's launched us into what we've been doing since 2018. I, and I'm sharing this because there's a lot of different little points here that I want to point out. And I'm going to do, I'm going to talk about Ecclesia. I'm going to talk about abortion. I'm going to bring you up to date. And I'm going to give some challenges to you. I said yes i'll I'll be there i'll do it i said what do i do they didn't tell me two weeks later i get an invitation said listen we're going to be having a gathering in oklahoma city we need all of our our county leaders to come and to be a part we want you to be there so here i am i'm at this meeting it's cold it's all get out the wind's blowing like 30 miles an hour my face is getting chapped uh randy brogdon is there, former representative dan fisher they're on the were you there may have been there they're on the back of this semi-truck and dan fisher gets up and he starts reading this speech And he says, I repent for writing pro-life legislation. Now, does everyone understand what that means? Some may, some may not. Probably not. Let me say, here's a Christian Republican, former representative pastor now running for governor, saying, I repent for writing pro-life legislation. Now, for some of you like me, I sat there and said, whoa, 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 what? I'm in the wrong meeting. I joined the wrong team. I'm 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 red, not blue. I'm pro-life, not pro-choice. You understand what I'm saying? And then he began to say, I repent because I realized as an elected official that every piece of pro-life legislation I was writing simply determined when, where, and how babies could be legally murdered. Ultrasound bills, heartbeat bills, 72-hour bills. You can do it in this building but not that building as long as you use a high-powered vacuum instead of a hinged instrument. 272 bills that simply determine when, where, and how you can legally murder a baby. A matter of fact, if you go to Planned Parenthood's website, they have a link. It says, if Roe v. Wade's overturned, what state can I go to to get an abortion? Do you know that Oklahoma's on the list? And it says Why? Because they have all of these pro-life bills that say if you do this, you can murder a baby. If you do this, if you, do, if you wait 72 hours, if you wait for an ultrasound, if we use this instrument opposed to this instrument. So what this is called, biblically, are iniquitous decrees. So there are iniquities. There's four major iniquities found in the Old Testament. Innocent bloodshed, sexual immorality, broken covenants. Um, uh, which one did I forget? Sexual immorality, broken covenant, I- Idolatry. Idolatry, there you go. These are iniquities. Isaiah 10:1 says, "Woe to those who write iniquitous decrees." So these are laws that support iniquities, because what that does is it moves it from individual sin to national sin. National sin brings national calamity, just like personal sin brings personal calamity. You rob a bank. Guess what happens? You're in trouble. Okay, so what happens if I go out and I say, I'm going to kill somebody, I personally deal with the consequences of that choice. But when a nation comes in and say, now it's legal to kill human beings, that moves from individual sin to national sin, right? And so what happened with these bills, these became iniquitous decrees. Why? Because instead of trying to fight to end abortion, we're now trying to negotiate with which babies get to live and which ones get to die. It's literally making negotiations with Molech. The God of death, a God of child sacrifice, because we don't write legislation to end abortion anymore. Matter of fact, national right to life organizations have told me, and we, if you go to our website, AFS.life, you'll see a video where we're talking to one of the national pro-life leaders. We said, guys, we're, you're, you're fighting against legislation that would end abortion. We don't really understand what's going on. And they said, Daniel, listen, our goal has never been to end abortion. We simply want to regulate it and slow it down so we can bring another bill back next year and we can regulate it a little bit more, slow it down a little more. Here's the reality, being pro-life, being a part of the pro-life industry, notice I say pro-life establishment and I say pro-life industry. How many people are pro-life in the room? Not a trick question, I consider myself pro-life, okay? Not a backhanded comment. When I say I'm pro-life, I actually mean it. But people that get a paycheck for playing political games year after year, are duping the church, deceiving the church, saying, hey guys, send us millions of dollars, send us to DC, we're going to go into abortion. And when they get there, they have no intention at all of ending abortion. The church has been deceived. It's like the pharmaceutical industry. The pharmaceutical industry is not looking for the cure for cancer. Matter of fact, they probably already have it and they're going to make sure we never get it so we can keep treating symptoms, symptoms, symptoms. It's kind of like the institutional church They don't want to teach people the word of God. They want to teach a fake grace and a false grace. And, you know, we we exchange the glory of God and the anointing for lights and smoke because we can't produce the actual anointing. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's a counterfeit. And what's been happening in the body of Christ is we've been so deceived to accept counterfeits and it's a form of godliness, but it has no power. It cannot do what it was meant to do. Does that make sense what I'm saying? And so I want to just take a minute and, and bring you on that journey with me because I want you to understand what's happening. If we're going to be the light, the salt, the seed, the leaven, cities on a hill, we have to do it by standing in righteousness and with God's word, right? So one of the things I want every person in this room to know and go with, away with today is understanding that abortion can be abolished. It can be ended completely, totally. It's not a pipe dream. And, it, and guess what? We don't have to wait another 50 years to do it. We don't have to wait another... 25 years another 10 years every state today right now could do it if they wanted to and I'm gonna prove it to you how many know that history tends to repeat itself okay in 1857 we're gonna go back 164 years 1857 the Supreme Court of the United States ruled that black people were three-fifths human there's our SCOTUS our Supreme Court of the United States black people you're not a real human you're only three-fifths human so they put out law saying that you can buy a black man, you can sell a black man, you can trade a black man, you can breed black men and black women, and you can take their children that are a product of that breeding, and you can sell them. And then you can even beat these black people without limitation. That means we can beat them to death. If you got to make an example out of somebody, just tie boy up to the tree, beat him to death, and then you keep all the other slaves in line. That came from the Supreme Court. Wisconsin, there were a group of Christians there. They were Quakers. Thank God for the Quakers. Okay? I'd like to meet them. They sound fiery, probably more fiery than a lot of the churches today. But this is what they said. The Quakers in Wisconsin said, all human beings are created in the image of God. We don't care what the Supreme Court says. If black men, women, and children can make it within our borders, they will be free. And then their legislator passed resolutions calling on their people to defy the Supreme Court and defy fugitive slave laws because the law was is if you saw a slave running by, you catch him, and you give them back to a slave owner. Wisconsin said, ignore the courts, ignore the laws. If they're within our borders, they'll be free. They even said if a federal agent comes into our borders to get a slave, we'll arrest him and hold him indefinitely. Why? because they were Christians, because they stood on God's word, because slavery was not just a bad thing, it was sin. Amen. See, we live in a culture, we like to change the definition of things. Right. See, we don't call abortion murder, which is what it is. We call it health choice. Right. Yeah. Planned Parenthood. What are you planning? It should be called uh, fill in the blank. You understand what I'm saying? When well, the culture has so changed, you know, how many of you heard of the vaccine? this COVID vaccine? How many know that the CDC changed the definition of a vaccine right after COVID came to America? How many know you call it a vaccine and it's not a vaccine? See, a vaccine introduces the sickness into the body, the body then produces an antibody and teaches yourself how to fight the thing off. What what we call the COVID-19 vaccine is by definition called a viral-based genetic therapy. Viral-based genetic therapy. It's not a vaccine. Well, we just change the name. We change the language. We, we can get into some of these different things. So what happened in the 1800s, a group of Christians stood on the word of God because of Deuteronomy chapter 8. So Deuteronomy chapter 8 talked about something called man-stealing. You steal a human being and sell them for profit, called slavery, man-stealing slavery. The punishment is a capital punishment. And these Christians said, if we don't repent as a nation, God's going to judge us. We need to repent. We need to abolish abortion. We need to stop this craziness. They demanded the total and immediate abolition of of slavery. Fast forward through time. We see it. We ended slavery. Luckily, black people can run around. They can go to the same Walmart. They can have families. They're free. Amen. Amen. And if somebody comes in and tries to steal someone because of the color of their skin, I don't know anybody who would just stand by and let that happen. But do you realize this conversation was very awkward in the 1800s? Because there were three groups of people in the fight. There were the pro-slave who believed, it's my God-given right to own slaves. I bought them, it's mine, we got to do what we got to do. There was another group of people that were the anti-slave people. These people were opposed to slavery, but they had some issues. They didn't want to talk about God. They didn't want to talk about scripture. They didn't want to bring any of that into it. They said it's bad, and it should end... But it shouldn't end today, and probably not next week, and probably not next month, because after all, how is farmer so-and-so going to plant their crops? How are they going to harvest their crops? I mean, you're going to cause an economic implosion of our nation if you just stop slavery today. But then there was a third group, a group of Christians called abolitionists. See, how many of you know that whenever you cast a spirit out, it'll go and it'll look for a place, and then it'll come back worse than it did? In 1973, we see the same spirit of slavery and death manifest itself in the Supreme Court when they rule again in the favor of dehumanization and they said babies in the womb are not fully human either. You can chop them up, crush them, scold them with acid till they are dead, and you can, what we found out in the last decade, you can carefully dissect them and sell them to the highest bidder so we can have vaccines created with aborted fetal tissue. So we can create foods like Lay's potato chips, Coca-Cola, a lot of your stuff that comes in a box in a bag was created, developed using aborted fetal tissue to make sure that it got the taste receptors to respond to your body and released endorphins to make you want more. It's a big deal. This is what the Supreme Court said. The Supreme Court, just like there were three groups in the 1800s, The pro slave, the anti slave, and the abolitionist. There are three groups today in the fight for abortion. There is the uh, pro choice group. Matter of fact, in Tulsa last year, just down the road, there was a group of women that gathered at the park and they were thinking, they were talking about this idea my body, my choice. Heard it before? And not only were they saying that, they were saying, hey, 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 wait a minute, we, we, if, if an abortionist can perform an abortion and then he can sell those parts to China or some other higher bidder and make money off of it, this is actually my fetus. So if it's my body and my choice, if I'm in a financial bind, I should be able to produce a fetus and I should be able to go to an abortionist and we should do like 50-50. The problem with that is, is it's consistent. At least they're being consistent but how demonic and how evil. So there's the pro-choice group of people. Then there's a group which I call the pro-life establishment. And this is where you, the church, need to understand about the pro-life establishment. Because as I've said, if we've gone to nation to nation to nation, excuse me, state to state to state to state, it's not been the left or the Democrats or the pro-choice people keeping abortion legal. Let me give you an example. Here in Oklahoma, we have a Republican Governor, Christian Governor, Republican Christian Lieutenant Governor, Christian Republican Attorney General. We have a primarily Republican Christian Senate, primarily Republican House. Our sheriffs are Republicans and our dogs wear MAGA hats. I don't think we got a Democrat problem in Oklahoma. We have a rhino problem, Republican in name only and a Chino problem, Christian in name only. I would tell you, if I've gone to the Capitol and I've talked to these people, I've met these representatives, and I said, are you a Christian? Because you got to start out there. So I tell people, say, I'm going to be doing an interview tomorrow, and I always start out like this. I say, I want you to know first off, I'm crazy. Well, let's just, just get one thing straight as we start this conversation off. I'm absolutely nuts. Let me just tell you why. I believe in a woman who was a virgin who got pregnant when the Holy Spirit came upon her. Didn't have sex. It was divine from the Lord. She got pregnant, and then she was birthed, and then the baby that that was put there by God himself turned water into wine. He cast out devils. He healed blind people. He raised people from the dead. Matter of fact, he was killed, and he was put on a cross, and three days later, he rose from the dead, and I believe the word of God is the infallible word of God inspired by the Holy Spirit, and that's my plumb line, and if we can't start there, the foolish things of the world, I'm just going to be foolish to you. But if that's where we start, that's the foundation and that's where I'm staying, then I'm going to sound really crazy to the world. So when I go and talk to legislators, I want to know, are you a Christian? Are you crazy like I'm crazy? Because if you're crazy like I'm crazy, you're not going to be passing half the legislation that you're passing. Because right now in Oklahoma, there are tens of thousands of people that have already lost their job because they refuse to take a viral-based genetic therapy created with aborted fetal cells into their body tens of thousands have lost their job. And then another tens of thousands have already taken the vaccine because they were afraid and didn't know how they were going to put food on the table for their children. And they violated their conscience. The question is, is where is the governor? Well, Daniel, what can the governor do? The governor can call a state of emergency. The governor can call a special session. When? Tomorrow? No, right now. He could send a text message to all the news and say, guys, We have tens of thousands of people losing their jobs. We have to have a special session. We need the legislature to to come in here and write a bill, put it on my desk so we can deal with this thing. This has been going on for months and for months and for months and for months. Matter of fact, how many of you know Senator Warren Hamilton? Senator Warren Hamilton wrote a bill almost a year ago. It was the first bill that he authored. Actually, second. He first did an abolition bill. This was his second bill that he passed or tried to put forth that said no mandated vaccines in Oklahoma. This was almost a year before COVID ever came to Oklahoma because he could see what was coming. God's people can see what's coming. And they wouldn't even let his bill out of committee and they said it's a solution to a problem that we don't have. It's too radical. It's too extreme. And even the anti-vax groups that are in Oklahoma that are most notorious told him that's a bill that's too radical and we will not support you. We'd actually fight against you. That's corrupt from the head down. So we have a establishment problem, a pro-life establishment. See, when you go to see this today, you understand this isn't about Republican Democrat. It's not about right. It's not about left. It's about the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of darkness. Well, the kingdom of darkness never wins ever. There's no battle that's there. When you turn the light switch on, the darkness flees to the corner where the light's not reaching. That happens 100% of the time. The problem is, is the church is not at the gates of hell. We're MIA, we're missing in action, or we've put our light under a bushel, like when I talk to these representatives and I say, are you a Christian? They say, oh, Daniel, of course I'm a Christian, I'm actually, I'm a Sunday school teacher at my church, but when I come into this building, I leave my faith at the door. That's not the first time I've heard that in Oklahoma. Guys, let's end abortion. We have this bill to end abortion. Daniel, if we end abortion, what platform would we run on next year? So you got to have a problem so you can have a solution, so you can check the box and say, I'm pro-life. Some of the leaders from the archdiocese that were fighting against the bill said, why are you guys fighting against this? And they said, Daniel, the day that abortion is abolished, so are our paychecks. Shove off you see the problem. See, we're in a battle, not between red and blue and Democrat-Republican. It's between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. And if you're going to go into war, the first thing you have to learn, right, Bob, is communications. You got to learn communication. You got to learn the language of your enemy, right? And what has happened is the enemy has learned how to speak everyone in this room's language. And this is how it happens. Knocks on the door, Hello, Mr. Hill. Hello, Mrs. Hill. My name's Daniel Avejas. I'm running for office. Guess what? I'm a Christian. I'm a Republican. I voted for Trump. I'm pro-life. I'm against taxes. I'm for everything that you're for. And we go, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, yeah, I like that guy. He's got a nice, shiny flyer. The enemy has learned how to use our language. And guys, I've traveled to all 77 countries, or all 77 counties. Do you know what the news catchphrase is in, in Oklahoma? He speaks in tongues. He's spirit-filled. But if you're a liar and a deceiver and a manipulator, you're a clanging gong and a cymbal. They've learned how to speak our language. So we have to go beyond what we hear people say and what they do we have to know them and we have to know their fruits see whenever you find an elder in the church you don't just say oh that guy said he's a Christian he's filled you walk with them you know does this person have fruits what's his family look like is his family in order what does he have one wife is he a drunkard is he giving into much wine what is the qualifications does anybody know this guy before we put him on the platform and let him talk now we all know from experience we saw people get to a platform who had no inspection of the fruit, no time, and they cause havoc, not just for the church, but themselves. So that's why we come around people like Wayne Hill, and we can say, I endorse you with the utmost uh, honor and the most confidence that you're a man of God, you're a man of your word, and you'll do what you say you're going to do. Not just someone that got recruited to run for office, and someone said, I'll give you money, run for office. See, the battle is between... The kingdom of God, the kingdom of darkness, the enemy has learned how to speak our language, so we have to learn how to be wise and use the discernment that the Holy Spirit has given us. Amen? Amen. So there is the pro-choice, there is the uh, pro-life establishment, and I believe today that God is raising up a generation of abolitionists, followers of Jesus Christ who are crazy, who believe in a virgin, They got overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and life came inside of her. People say, Daniel, it's just a fetus. I believe it was six weeks whenever Mary went to go visit her cousin Elizabeth. And just coming in proximity to Jesus, a fetus in the womb leaped and got filled with the Holy Ghost named John. And out of the anointing was on him, it so affected the person he was touching, who was Mama Elizabeth, she began to prophesy over Mary. I wonder if John had a heartbeat.
0: Amen.
1: Probably not. I mean, though, sometimes, somewhere in there, it's very possible that you couldn't find a heartbeat on Jesus with an ultrasound machine. I believe God is raising the standard of Christians to get involved. Christians to make a difference, Christians to be salt, light, seed, and leaven. Here's the challenge to everybody here. I'm so excited in being here because I was watching, I was looking at that picture knowing that I had read Matthew 16, knowing that God wanted me to talk about that. I'm watching that, but it reminded me of kingdom authority. I just kept, I was like, oh my goodness, this is kingdom authority. And I just, I looked at this place and it was packed full. And it wasn't about the numbers. It was, it was, it was almost like people were coming in from a region they were being equipped and sent back into their areas to bring transformation. So here's some of the ideas. Some, when I began going into a place, uh, you know, I said to the Lord, what is it that you wanted me to do? And when I was in Dallas, I felt like God gave me a challenge to take to the church. So you're my first guinea pigs, I'm gonna try it on. And then you can take it or leave it or seek the Lord and do what he wants you to do with it. But I'm taking this across the state of Oklahoma and I'm gonna take this across the nation. The church has to get to the gates of hell. And not just apostles here, not just the pastors, not just the leaders, the the ecclesia, the body. Everybody's got to go. So our schools, our schools in Oklahoma, how many know that uh, uh, CRT, critical race theory, is illegal in Oklahoma? So we pass legislation to make it illegal. How many know it's being taught in our schools? Still being taught in our schools. Matter of fact, how many of you know James Taylor? Pastor, Dr. James Taylor, lives in Norman, Oklahoma. He was just fired with six hundred other teachers last week because we passed a law that says you it's illegal to put a mask on children. And then the superintendent came in and told all the staff you have to wear a mask. He said, It's illegal. We're not doing it. Didn't want to wear a mask. Didn't wear a mask because it's illegal to make somebody do this. And he gets fired for it. That's not why he got fired. He got fired because he went to a teacher's class. You know, they bring all the teachers together. We're going to train them for the year. And on the projector screen, they were teaching the teachers CRT, critical race theory. And they said, this is what we want you to know. You guys are going to get kicked out of this. They said, you just got to know that you're innately racist because you're white. If you're white, you're racist, and you may not even know it. But because you're white, before you even took your first breath, you were just born racist. Matter of fact, our Republican Christian representative And Guthrie told my brother-in-law, his wife told him, you're racist. He said, why do you say that I'm racist? Because you're white. You were born racist. You didn't have a choice. The woman saying this to him, by the way, is white. So all the teachers are sitting in this room. They're all looking at, and this is what we're going to do, class. We're all going to recant our whiteness. All the teachers in Oklahoma City Public Schools or in all the, These are the teachers sitting in a classroom setting. Here's a projector screen. We're going to go through these declarations. Sound familiar? And we're going to recant our whiteness. Dr. James Taylor, who's a black man, says, wait a minute, wait a minute, excuse me. Excuse me. I got a problem with this. Number one, I don't think all my brothers and sisters in the room are racist. But number two, how do you expect me to recant my whiteness? Well, we don't know. You just go ahead and just say the words along with everyone else. We're just going to do it together. See, a communism never makes sense. Marxism never makes sense, and that's what we're dealing with: the communism that is coming into our, our schools, coming into our businesses, coming into every area of society, and again, it's not even about government. See, the enemy thinks he owns every one of these mountains. Satan thinks he owns every one of those mountains, so he's coming in. He uses communism to go in because communism, in the end, is basically anti God. It gets rid of God and it makes government big daddy. And then you come to government when you need help. When you need healing, you come to the government. When you need provision, you come to the government. You don't go to God anymore. That's what's there. So, how do we make an impact? How do we, as Ecclesia, get involved? Here's my challenge here in this city in Skiatook, there is a city council. They most likely meet once a month. My challenge is, is whatever week they meet on, let's say they meet on the third week of the month, let's say that they meet on Tuesday, let's say the church, instead of meeting on Wednesday, we're going to meet on Tuesday. We're going to go to Mazio's, get some pizza, go to the Mexican restaurant, get some food. We're going to pray together. And then as a church body, we're all going to the city council meeting. And we're going to listen what's being made decisions that are being made in our city. And when something's out of order, the apostle speaks. Amen. The elder who stands at the city gates. That's what he called us, elders at the city gates. And the pastors and the leaders and the people stand up and say, wait, 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 wait. no. No. We're not doing that in this city. And if you don't repent and you don't stop because this ain't just a moral ethical issue, you're going to be gone because how many know if just this body showed up, it would change everything. Same thing for school board. What day of the week are they meeting and not just one person shows up, but you show up as a unified body. This entire church, just our church, we're going to show up on this date. We're all going to show up. We're going to be there. And how many people... You, how many people in the room are ready to speak at a city council meeting? Ooh, a few of you. Do we have any intercessors in the room? Amen. You don't have to go. You don't have to speak. You don't have to get behind a podium. You get in there, and you just start praying in the Holy Ghost. Right. You start binding things because you've been given the keys of the kingdom. You go in there, and you forbid the powers of darkness to operate. You go in there, and you loose the kingdom of God. And whenever the apostle, whenever the prophet stands up at the city gates, you back them up. And then guess what those, the darkness, always, 100% of the time, they flee. 100% of the time, I promise you. Same thing with school board. The church, all we have to do is show up. At the gates of hell at the abortion clinic in, in Oklahoma City, 44th Street in Black Welder, there's an abortion clinic there. We have people from our church there every single day, Monday through Friday. Some people come, they bring their lawn chairs, and they sit out there and they worship. Some pray, some actually minister, some talk. Last year, we had over 350 women give their life to Christ and choose not to have an abortion just because the church showed up. Amen? Amen. 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 And listen, we didn't yell and scream and say, you're a baby murderer. No, no, no. We have a, a, a small window with about 30 seconds to let them know the father sent me here to tell you how great his love is for you and the, and the baby in your womb we're here to help you today please let us help you this is a decision that you can't take back we're here we can provide resources to you Da-da-da-da. and the, they stop they walk out of the parking lot to the sidewalk I had a woman grab me by my shirt gritting her teeth looking me in the eyes and said do you really want to carry me, help me or do you just want to make yourself feel better and I said, You tell me what you need. Her need wasn't even that big. She was alone. She was by herself. She didn't have a father. See, the enemy preys pr- on a fatherless generation. The baby in her womb didn't have a father. She didn't have a father, but whenever the fathers just showed up at the gates of hell and said, honey, you're not by yourself, you're not alone, all of a sudden hope came, maybe I'm not by myself, maybe I'm not alone, courage came, and they came out to the sidewalk, we shared the gospel, I mean, these women, they're cold, they're fearful, they're afraid, they give their life to Christ, and they're just joyful. A lot of times they just start laughing and giggling under the presence of the Lord, and then we say, hey, would you like to meet your baby? What do you mean? Well across the street Go Life Mobile who we partner with has a mobile ultrasound machine and they'll do a free ultrasound today and you can see that baby in your womb. Why? Because the church shows up. District 66 is going to change because the church is showing up. And I believe it that you're going to take that place. Because God has called you to take that place and I believe that it's, it's, God is doing a movement here. Here, let me just say this. Our church, our gathering, we are a for profit business. We're in the business of sharing the gospel. We're in the business of discipling people and magistrates. We're in the, the business of advancing the kingdom of God. So, we don't have to get into that whole thing. Can you endorse somebody? Can you not endorse somebody? See, what we've decided as a church body is we're not going to exchange our First Amendment rights for a tax free status. Amen. Give to Caesars what is Caesars. Okay? So, I stand up all across the state and I say, I endorse Wayne Hill. He's a mighty man of God. He's a righteous man of God. He'll lead this place with conviction. And if he gets out of line, I have a personal relationship with him so I can call him on the phone and say, brother, what's going on? This isn't who you are. And if he won't listen to me, I'm going to go get Apostle Gerald and Dixie. I'm going to say, lay hands on him, rough if you have to, get the oil, get the Crisco, get a a spoon out of the kitchen and whoop this guy because we have a relationship with him. Does that make sense? Our church also runs campaigns Daniel, you can't be involved with, with government policy. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, we can. By January 1, Ecclesia Oklahoma will be running between 20 and 30 campaigns statewide. We produce their websites. We produce the mailers. We help put together walk lists for them, which, by the way, people charge $2,500 to $5,000 for a website. Do you know how much a website costs? For a year, like 200 bucks. What do we charge you? We didn't charge them a dime. Mailers cost money, but not just to produce them and to mail them. Whoever the graphic design artist is who is so special makes usually about 1,500 bucks on top of every mailer. How much do we charge you? Zero. Why? Because we believe when the righteous rule, the city rejoices. And we're using all of our resources. We're using every gift and talent that God has given us to equip, to train, to resource the body of Christ to take and advance the kingdom of God under these seven mountains. So we do their mailers. We do the walk list. We do everything from the top to bottom. We're working with Jackson Lawmire. We're working with, uh, let's see, Dr. Mark Sherwood. Anyone know who Dr. Mark Sherwood is? Okay, you got to know who this guy is. Dr. Mark Sherwood is out of Tulsa. He's treated 9,500 people plus for COVID with zero fatalities. Okay. He's a smart man. He knows what he's doing. He's running for the governor of the state of Oklahoma. He has promised us within the first 30 days of being elected, he will abolish abortion. Yeah. Hallelujah. Why? Because he's a Christian because he's uncompromising, because he has courage and he has nothing to lose. He's already a wealthy man. He's already a successful man. He's not doing it to get success or wealth. He's doing it because he has a conviction in his heart that tyranny is coming down from the top, the federal government, which is completely out of control and even illegitimate. And we have borders. Oklahoma has borders. Our borders matter. Oklahoma is a sovereign state. And we could put a stop to all this federal overreach. When? right now. So you have to learn the, the language. Whenever a politician says you're going to do something, ask them when. When are you going to do that? Right now. Well, I can't, I can't sign. I had someone send us this message this week. Daniel, I'm so busy. I, I haven't even been into the office. I, I, you know, I'm going to sign the petition. I've just got so much on my plate. Surely you understand. I said, I sure do, because all you have to do is call your EA and tell her to add your name to the list. See, they trick us. They trick us in all these different games that are going on. But God is calling us to get involved. So a couple of ways to get involved. Prayerfully consider as a church body being a part of the school board. It's coming up for election. Do you know who your school board members are? Do you know what they stand for? Do you know what they represent? Do you know what they're passing? Because here's here's the here's the reality. If CRT is being taught in your schools locally, it's our fault. It's not the sinner's fault. We're like thinking pigs are gonna fly if we think some sinner's gonna say, wait a minute, I don't think CRT really lines up with the Word of God. They can't do that. The, the, a base mind. They, they think, oh, this is love and this is equality and this is, this is you know, oh, this poor little black and Indian, Mexican, Chinese kids, they're just being so abused. We got to just make sure that they don't take a real test like everyone else. They, you take the hard test because you're white, but you take the, the no-brainer test because you're stupid and black. that's what, That's what it says. You're too dumb to study like anybody else. Only white kids can study. You're too dumb, so you get test B and you get test A. And then you pay for all your college and we'll pay for your college because you're too dumb to pass the test. How insulting. Because I'm in that category. I got the, I'm a brother in the tan, you know, with a year-long tan. I can read a book. I can study. I can discipline myself. Don't limit me and give me test B because you think I'm too stupid because of the color of my skin. See, we have to be there. We have to be involved. We have to be engaged. And here's the other, here's probably my last challenge and then Uh, maybe I'll do a few minutes of Q&A if there's anything that I didn't say that didn't make sense, and then I'll hand it back over to you. But children, the enemy loves children. He's been going after them for years. I want you to think about this because God showed me this strategy, and I cannot wait to put it into action or find somewhere where it's being put into action because I know that it's a God idea. How many of you know, and I don't, I'm just going to talk some facts for a minute, okay? How many of you know that in this city and in this region, there are a lot of parents that don't really want to be parents? So they send their kids to school. They're thankful for the public school because, thank goodness, I don't have to watch them for seven hours of the day. And then they come home and they're watching TV or they're playing video games or they're doing something different. And they just got these burdens, these stinking kids, always getting in my way, always messing me up. Da-da-da-da. Do you know in New York and in California, there are basically 24 centers, 24-hour centers, 24 centers where you can go drop off your kids and they'll teach them and they'll house them and they'll feed them. And parents can just say, here, it's kind of like daycare school, 17-hour school. Let's go drop your kids off. Why? Because they don't want to be parents. They don't want the burden of parenting If you were to put out a sign and said free childcare 6 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. Monday through Friday, how many kids would be in this building? How many? A lot. All you could hold. And do you know what mom and dad will not care about at all? They will not care if you teach them the gospel. They won't care if you tell them that they're created in the image of the Father. They will not care if you tell them they have an identity and a purpose and how great the Father's love is for them. And they won't care if they even get saved or filled with the Holy Ghost because guess what? I don't have to watch them. But then we're going to send them back into their homes as light, as salt. as see, this place will be packed with children. And guess what? Those children will then become young children and adolescents. And it's a 10-year plan that by the time you've got these kids in high school, you don't have like the typical youth group that has 10, 12 kids that are lukewarm, that don't know how to keep their pants zipped up. But you literally have an entire freshman, sophomore, junior, senior of kids that are born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, know what their identity is in Christ and honor their bodies because they know Jesus. Can you imagine an army of people coming out of this area that have the impartation, the apostolic impartation on their life, and they know how to worship? Can you see that? How do you do that? You have a building, put a sign out, put it in the newspaper partner with other kingdom churches, find some other people that love kids, bring them in here. If you don't know what to do, the Holy Spirit's going to show you. I mean, you could put veggie tails on the screen over here, make some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Kids will eat trash. I'm going to tell you, buy a box of Kix cereal. Just cereal, I mean, you're going to figure it out. God's going to show you. I promise you he'll show you. There are food banks that will bring food to help these children, but you bring them in here and you love them because I promise you they're not loved. They don't know what, they, most of them, the only touch they know is sexual abuse. The only touch they know is a backhanded comment or a physical abuse. They don't know love. But when they get in here, I'm telling you, the reason I got saved is because I met people that smelled like Jesus, and I didn't even know who Jesus was. But there was a love that came out of them, and I never even went into a church building. And then when I got into a church building, i like, oh my God, you all smell the same. You all have a fragrance, and what the heck is that fragrance? I didn't know what it was. It was Jesus. It was Jesus. And I'm telling you, if you bring those young people in here and you begin to love them and you begin to feed them and you know them by their first name, you're going to have this entire county. And if we do that in Logan County and if we do that in Canadian County, you're going to see a revival. Because guess what? Those kids who live in abusive, chaotic homes of chaos... They're, they're going to respond to the atmosphere that they're in. So mom and dad yell at them. They yell back. Mom and dad cuss at them. They cuss back. I hate you. You hate me. We hate each other. And we're going to teach them, love them. I know it's hard. know it hurts your feelings. Pray for them. So you bring those kids in here. Guys, we're going to pray for our families. We're going to pray for mom and dad. Do they get born again and get saved? Do not go home and tell your mom and dad they're going to hell. I I tried that. I got born again. I went home. I said, dad, you're a are An adulterer, and you're a drunkard, and you're a drug addict, and you're gonna go to hell. You need to come to church and get saved so you can go to hell one day. That didn't go over too well. A little bit of covert Christianity training evangelism for our children. Love them. Don't return a hateful word for a hateful word. Honor them. Just keep your mouth shut. You don't have to argue. You don't give up your right to be right. Love them. Pray for them. And all of a sudden, the parents are gonna see a change and then say, hey, we're going to do some kind of a, a talent show, or we're going to do some kind of a something, and let's invite all the parents to come watch what the kids do. Guess what they're going to come? Guess what they're going to smell? They're going to smell the fragrance of Jesus. They're going to get born again. They're going to get filled the Holy Ghost. They're going to get delivered. They're going to get set free, and you'll see households transformed. That's the vision that God's put in my heart. That's a challenge that I'm taking to the church, to the ecclesia, the body of Christ. I'm chomping at the bit to find the first Gathering in the state that will say we'll take our facility that's empty six of the seven days of the week and use it for the glory of God real quick questions anything I say did not make sense yes sir Okay. What he is saying is on Tuesdays, city council, next Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, this coming Tuesday city council meets, and this school Monday, board. Monday is school board, this coming Tuesday, city council, Monday school board, there are two people running for school board, they are Christians, they love Jesus, they stand for righteousness, do you know how many people vote in school board elections? And that's February 8th. The February 8th. Board Almost nobody goes. Nobody goes. Just a real quick, by by 60 seconds, how many of you know five people that are not in this room that you could say, hey, I need a favor, can you come help me? Everyone's nodding their heads. So I don't know, I can't do quick math, I'm like dumb in that area, but there's probably 20, 30 people in this room. So you take 20, 30 people, you times that by five and everyone goes and votes, guess what, you just won the school board elections. Five friends, hey, I need a favor, what do you need? Just don't ask questions. I'll take you to get a pizza afterwards or something. Just come with me. What are we doing? There's a school board meeting. You know what's happening in the school. You know that there's two Christians that are running. We got to get them elected. Let's go vote. Wait a minute. Just hush up. I'm going to tell you who to vote for. We'll go. When the church shows up, the darkness flees. And Christ builds his church, his ecclesia at the gates of hell. And the challenge is from the Lord, it's time for the ecclesia to take the state back. We're going to take every one of these mountains back.
0: Amen. Amen. Any other questions? Can I ask you on the mask thing? It's against our state law. In the the schools. In the schools, okay. And
1: basically, what it says is you you, you can't. uh, um, You want microphone? Hallelujah. (laughs) See there? I was like, maybe I'll get away with it. I'll try to use a loud voice. Nope. Microphone, microphone, microphone. Okay. So, what it is is we pass a law. Because, again, children can't make a, for the most part, of someone else making their decision for them, they can't advocate for themselves. You as an adult, if you go into a, to a, to a public business, and they say, hey, you have to wear a mask if you come in here, you're an adult, so you can say, well, I, I don't want to shop here. Bye, I'll go down the road somewhere else. Well, a kid who's going to school, in most cases, doesn't have a choice of whether he goes into that school or not. So what they said is it cannot be mandated if a child wants to wear a mask They can, but you can't mandate them to wear a mask. The problem with the mask, and my father um, is is a doctor. I'm connected to a lot of doctors. The problem is, is you're restricting oxygen into the flow for hours upon hours upon hours. You're restricting restricting oxygen flow. The other thing is because you have this right here. If you were to take your hand and just put it right here, or if you've ever worn a mask, you feel yourself getting kind of sweaty, kind of humid that is now creating an environment for bacteria. Literally there are dentists that are now flooding because the kids are coming in with bacteria and diseases in their gums and their faces are breaking out because of the hygiene that's their kids. In most cases, again, kids without parents, they're not very good hygiene. So maybe they haven't taken a shower for a couple of days, have all this bacteria on their face and now it's just sweating and for hours upon hours it's just sitting there. But the other thing is, is psychological. You don't get to see the smiles. You don't get to see because most of our communication isn't even what you're seeing, come out of hearing coming out of my mouth. It's, it's everything that's here, and we're covering a large majority. So they wrote a law. They said that you cannot put a mandate that's there. The schools then came out and said you have to wear a mask, but you can opt out of wearing a mask. You see the trickery it's there. Everyone has to wear a mask, but you can. The, the law says no mask. But you can choose to wear a mask if you want to. The school says everyone has to wear a mask, but you can choose not to wear one. And then the teachers did not have a choice. They were forced to wear a mask or be fired. And Dr. Taylor and six others were fired. Amen.
0: What, did we hear the word? We have been sowing into their ministry as a church. We met Daniel and Kyle through our connections in Oklahoma City with the Oklahoma Apostolic Prayer Networks, how we first met them. So we've known them for, I don't know, five years, something. So I'm just so blessed that, that, that he would come today and just share. Did he open our eyes to some other areas? Uh, when I have heard him go through how we passed all these laws and nothing happens, that really opened my eyes to a lot of things. So I want us to sow into their ministry today. If you're making out a check, just make it to Ascension Church. We'll, we'll give them all the proceeds. Uh, you can give online. So if you, you can give however you want to. But just obey the Lord this morning. I challenge you to just obey the Lord. This is good soil to sow into. We'll get him come back some other time and let him go ahead and preach all those other guys he's talking about, whatever, you know. Come on. I just want to give a
1: testimony really quick. We just our team just traveled to Washington D.C. How many of you know that, you know, yeah, the Supreme them, Court
0: Tell them about that. Yeah, I
1: figure that's important. They probably want to know. How many know that the Supreme Court was was meeting so you could overturn Roe? That's because you read the headlines. That's not what the Supreme Court was in session for. So I want to take the time to help you understand what took place in that and what actually was happening and why and what happened there. So uh, Mrs. Hippie passed a pro life bill, which again is not a bill that I was a, Christ- as a Christian would support. It's a 15 week bill which says you can murder babies up to 15 weeks. You can also murder them if they're a production of rape, incest, or the health of the mother, or a formality, a deformality, which could cause a lesser quality of life or potential death. In other words, it's abortion on demand. Because there's no checks or balances. Well, I was raped. Okay, you get an abortion. Well, this was incest. Well, you get an abortion. Well, the baby's deformed. Okay, you get an abortion. There's no, there's no second opinions. There's no accountability. There's nothing there. It's just a simple, a, a word that goes there. So this bill passed Mississippi House, Senate, and it was signed by the governor. The Mississippi Supreme Court, state Supreme Court, said, nope, this is unconstitutional. Will not go. So what they did is they appealed to the higher court, the Supreme Court and asked them to overrule the lower courts. So with the headlines, again, I'm telling you, the pro-life establishment is all about money. So they saw the profitability of this, and they told everyone, we're going to D.C. to overturn Roe. That's not what they were there for, friends. Okay, let me just put it like this. If I go through the stoplight here in Skytook and I get pulled over, and they say, okay, we want you to come into court because you ran through the stop sign, and then on my way out of town, I decide to rob a bank. And then I go before the judge, and I'm there to talk about the stop... And then I start telling people, guys, I'm going to go to court because I'm going to, you know, it was an emergency. I had to go through that stop sign. I'm going to get that overdone. But while I'm there, they're also going to acquit me of all charges for robbing the bank. You're there for two different reasons. They were not there to overturn Roe, they were there to appeal to the higher courts to let a regulatory incremental bill in Mississippi pass and go through. So, what will happen? The Supreme Court has already made their decision. It will probably come out after the primaries because that will give our pro-lifers something to run on and it will give our pro-choicers something to run on. We're going to fight because we're going to overturn Roe. We're going to keep Roe, blah, 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 blah. It's going to be very profitable for the politicians, not going to help any babies at all. What will most likely happen is the courts will appease the pro-lifers and say we overturned this ruling and we're going to allow this bill to stay a law in Mississippi. Why? Rape, incest, health of the mother, deformalities. It's abortion on demand. So the pro-life establishment, okay, understand what I'm saying? The establishment will say, "Woo! look at this victory we have. Let's go raise some more money so we can pass these bills all across the nation. Doesn't do anything. Most of the church will say wahoo also because they'll think that it's some kind of a victory. The pro-choicers will say, oh my gosh, look what they did. They're taking away our rights. We got to go raise some money. It's the political hamster wheel that will go. See, you don't have to wait for the Supreme Court to overturn Roe, two-end abortion. How many of you are familiar with marijuana? Seen a marijuana shop lately? More marijuana shops than there are churches, right? They're all over the place. How many of you know that marijuana is an illegal substance according to the Supreme Court and Congress? Yeah, Two of the three, matter of fact, do you know that the, the marijuana shops they can't put their money into the bank? Why? Because the bank is FDIC. It's a federal institution. So the federal institution can't take illegal substances, money from illegal substances, into their business. Follow me so far? So they've had these big safes put in their floors and in their ground. Oklahoma changed our laws last year. So before last year, you couldn't pay your taxes in cash. But we changed that. Why? Because you had all these pot shops in Oklahoma that were taking in millions upon millions of dollars that they couldn't pay taxes because they couldn't put their dollar bills into a bank to turn that into a check to pay their taxes. So here's a simple message. If we can ignore two of the three federal branches of government to smoke pot, produce pot, chew it, candy, brownies, whatever, then you can ignore one court opinion to stop murdering babies. And people say, Daniel, it's law. Guys, go back to to government class. Three branches of government. Judicial, legislative, executive. Courts don't write laws. Even crazy Joe agrees with me. (laughs) Joe Biden, two months ago, said we must codify Roe because it's not a law. California said last week, if Roe is overturned, California will become a sanctuary state for abortion. Do I agree with them? No. Are what they doing legal? What they're saying legal? Yes. Because they're a sovereign state. What we're saying, as for me and my house, as for Oklahoma, we want to serve the Lord. We don't want we can't control what's in California. We're going to pray and believe that God's going to raise up a righteous remnant there that will do there what we're doing here. And I'll tell you, I was just recently in Anaheim, and I'm seeing a move of God there, which is very, very exciting. I was like, no, California is not lost by any means. They might be a little bit in the dark, but the church is raising up there. But to know this, abortion can be ended. It will not come through row. Matter of fact, when we were there, we sat in a whole room of constitutional attorneys that came in, and one of the men came in, was most renowned. Everybody respected him. Uh, he reminded me of you. He had the pure white hair. Uh, that's the generals that I'm so thankful for he came in and everyone's honoring him and he said before he said that he says now that I have everyone's attention just for a moment while I have the floor he said if you're in this room peddling the idea that Roe v. Wade's going to be overturned and you're sending out emails asking people to give you donations so you can come here to overturn Roe you're a peddler of the gospel and you're deceiving the people of God it'd be best if you just packed your stuff up right now and go ahead and go out that back door He's going to be joining our board Amen. as a constitutional attorney that will come and speak at our conferences and help people know from a legal that I'm crazy, but I'm not that crazy. I understand the law of what we're actually talking about. The next person who walked in was Margie Taylor Green. I don't know if you know who she is. Uh, I, di- I knew her name, but I didn't know her by person. She walked in and she pointed at me. She said, I know who this man is. He stands for Righteousness and Justice. I have zero interest in hearing regulatory bills, incremental bills. Uh, I want to abolish abortion. I'm working with this man, and we're going to pass his bill here in the federal level. He said, they're probably going to try to kill it, but I'm going to write it, and I'm going to put it out there anyways.
0: That's why they shut her down in the house.
1: Yes, that's exactly, I mean, they are coming after her big time. So the message is going out. We were with General Flynn in Dallas yesterday. General Flynn has decided to endorse Abortion Free States, which is our national um, uh, nonprofit, and he is now also, you guys are going to get the, the 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 secret inside baseball he's agreed to endorse dr mark sherwood for governor so he's going to be bringing us national support to support dr sherwood as well people say how can we help how can we get involved you can help us uh, pray for us obviously the warfare that we go through is tremendous Um, again everything we do for the candidates we do it for free we don't charge them so every bit that you give us which you're sewing into literally is going to get turned around and sewed into uh District 66 is gonna come right back here. Our team's gonna pour it right back in, talk about a harvest. You're gonna sow it, you're gonna see a harvest right here in your own backyard. But also, the big area where we're pointing all of our cannons is towards Dr. Sherwood. Because right. we must have an executive, we must have a governor who will call an emergency session, who will demand uh, the legislature to come in, Wayne will author and co-author an abolitionist bill to end abortion. Jake Merrick will author and co-author to do one. Senator Hamilton, which, by the way, I'll say that there's so much to tell you. I told you to be here at 7 p.m. I'll say this last part, and I promise I'll be quiet. Last year, history was made in Oklahoma. You had two Christian Republicans, Senator Merrick, Senator Hamilton, and they had four pro-life bills put in front of their desk. You know how they voted? They voted No. And the pro-life establishment roasted them. They sent out emails. They did all these things. They said, these guys are worse than Democrats. And they went out in public and said, no, we're not. Because you did not hire us to come and decide what babies get to live and what babies get to die. You called us to end abortion. Here's the bill to end abortion. Stop playing games. We will no longer play games with babies and call it righteous in Oklahoma. So God is raising up a righteous standard in the state, and he's sending reinforcements through Wayne and some of the other people throughout the state. So thank you. God bless you. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you, Apostle, for allowing us to come and speak. We're very honored and thankful.
0: Amen. Amen. Come on, let's bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Now. Put your money where your mouth is. You know. Let's sow into it. Let's sow into it. Guys, come and receive the offering. Lord, we bless this group. Lord, we bl- it's is not a good idea. It's a God idea. And we agree. And Lord, forgive us for the areas we've been lax in or blinded and deceived in. And Lord, we want our city, our state, our nation to be turned around. Lord, we bless you. I bless this offering now. In Jesus' name. Just obey the Lord this morning. Go ahead. Any testimonies or any other word this morning? This morning when I was... I knew you were coming, Daniel, and I knew what you were going to talk
1: about. But I was praying and I was asking the Lord, Lord, what can we do? I'm not a Daniel. What can I do? And I heard very clearly, stop killing my children. And I said, but how? What can I do? Battle in the spirit, he said. And I've got to tell you that I've failed because I don't pray every day
0: against abortion. And I'm sharing this today for you guys because I'm sure I'm not the only one. But I'm going to start. And I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to pray against abortion. And I'm going to pray for every
1: man and woman that stands up and fights for it. I've never had
0: children, but I love children. They're not mine. They're his. Men, uh, men. we're meeting tomorrow night at 7. I forgot to announce that earlier. So men's meeting tomorrow night at 7.